Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find the Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6Nerds5. Aw, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds at Denver Comic-Con 2015. We hope you enjoy the following interview. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast at Denver Comic-Con 2015 yet again. And we are joined by two talented young men. Oh, and, and, and they're going to introduce Somewhere. themselves and what they do right now. Go. My name is uh, Andy Bethune, and I'm the lead singer of the Stubby Shillelaghs. My name is Ryan Knopp. I'm the bass player and guitar player for the Stubby Shillelaghs. How do you play both at the same time? I trade off on the, nice. the songs that I play the bass on. Uh, the, our, our mandolin player, Shaughnessy, plays the guitar. And then cool. the, the songs that I play the guitar, he plays the mandolin. Yeah, we had Shaughnessy on here last year. Absolutely. And he was fun. I expect you guys to live up to the high standards. Prepare to be disappointed. <laughs> okay, I guess. <laughs> <sighs> so what's new, guys? Uh, this is, your, is this your second year at Denver Comic Con? Well, so this is our year. second year actually playing at the con itself. This is our third year being involved with it. Mm -hmm. um, Usually we play the kickoff party where they introduce the new Breckenridge beer for it. Um, so we've been doing that for a couple of years as well. But yeah, this is our second year playing at the con on the floor for all of you nerds out there. So. Heck yeah. And I guess I should also start by saying, what kind of music do you guys play? We are a Celtic, nerdy, folk, awesome band. <laughs> I, I love that. And if I go to Best Buy, what section would that be in? It would be under the... Wherever the awesome CDs are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so... When you write Celtic music for nerds, how do you bridge those two genres? Because it seems like something that nerds wouldn't gravitate towards, too. So it comes pretty naturally, actually. We're 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 geeks at heart, definitely. So that it really does kind of just flow pretty easily, and we're really comfortable with the Celtic approach, and it works really well for us. So. You know, and, and I don't know if the Celtic itself comes out so much in our nerdy songs uh -huh. uh, as much as that we're a folk band. We know we don't have drums. We play all acoustic instruments. Um, and, you know, and so that way it, it actually works really, really well. Um, you know, put it, putting a Celtic tinge on it, you know, we don't worry about that so much. We just do what we love and, you know, see what happens. So what's your writing process then? Does one person in your band write all the songs or do you guys, are you collaborative? You know, a little of both. Uh... Our guitar player and one of our other vocalists, Shaughnessy, he writes the majority of our originals. Um, I like to say just because he has more time on his hands than the rest <laughs> of us. But, no, he's actually incredibly talented. Um, the rest of us, what we like to do, I think, uh, that works for us really well is we just kind of bounce ideas off each other. Hanging out and going to practice or even during shows, we can just kind of throw things at each other and, you know, just kind of reciprocate in that way and just... When we're stuck in the van for three hours coming back from a show, we kind of yeah. we come up with some pretty silly ideas being we cooped up in the, the in the van. Going. That also helps. <laughs> is that is that a good advice to have for bands? It's always have a recorder going. Always record. Yes. Always record. Yeah, 
I learned that a long time ago watching uh, the Tenacious D show on mm -hmm. uh, on HBO. You always record, no matter what, because sometimes you come up with the greatest ideas when you don't even expect to. Do you come up with a lot of bad ideas and able to morph them into good ideas? Oh, well, we're constantly coming up with bad <laughs> ideas. As far as morphing them into good ideas, you know, on occasion. So, just just occasion. <laughs> you know, to, every once in a while we're able to turn that into a good idea. But, you know, for, for us, a lot of times it is, you know, we, we like to beat a joke as much as we can. And, and that, that's always dead. just fun to us. So <laughs> what kind of uh, song selection do you do for a Comic-Con crowd then? I mean, we try and keep it as nerdy as possible. Obviously, already we have... Um, Two or three Star Wars songs. We have a Batman song. We have a Firefly song. A Star Trek um, song as well. Star Trek songs. Lord of the Rings songs. So, you know, we try and keep it very centric to that when we're at cons because, you know, you never know how the, the Irish music is going to be received by that crowd. Normally, everybody can enjoy Irish music because it's about themes and ideas that everybody can get behind. Everybody deals with loss. Everybody deals with, you know... Uh, pain, everybody gets screwed over by somebody and sometimes the only thing to do about it is have a couple beers. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sticking to the nerdy stuff has really helped us out at the cons and, and you know, it's really helped our name get out there. And I think that's why, um, you know, our newest album is, is already getting off the ground really well. Yes, so definitely. Yeah, because I also heard you guys are starting something, uh, Kickstarter, right? Absolutely. Yes. Three days ago, we started our Kickstarter campaign for our brand new nerd album which is tentatively going to be called Critical Fail. And um, we were asking for $1,500, which is just the bare bones amount we need to get into the studio and uh, work with our favorite engineer, Silas, at the Decibel Garden in uh, the Rhino District of Denver here in Colorado. And um, we already surpassed our goal. It's only wow. been three days, so you know that's really huge for us. So as, since you surpassed your goal, how are you going to re... Um use the funds that you got past that to help? Well, you know, we've already set up several stretch goals. At $2,000, uh, Shaughnessy is going to do um, a separate EP that we're doing with uh, this amazing jazz singer named Mandy Harvey. Uh, he wrote a song that he wants to do with her called Across the Sea. We're also going to do a fun uh, cover of a very old jazz song from uh, the 1920s called With a Shillelagh Under Me Arm. Uh, if we get to $3,000, we are going to make a music video for our IRA Interstellar Rebel Army song. And if we get to $4,000, we are going to make yet another EP available for everybody. That is our uh, stubified folk versions of our favorite metal songs. Very cool. So how do you convert a metal song to folk then? You know... You just play it really good. Yeah, we just kind of roll with it. Uh, if you come to our show, very often we'll cover... Um, one of our favorite songs by uh, one of our favorite bands, Iron Maiden, called uh, Wasted Years. And then uh, we oft often cover, um, what is I'm brain farting on the Ice, Ice Earth's uh, Question of Heaven is another one of our metal songs that's in our regular rotation. You know, it's actually not as hard as you think. Uh, listening to enough metal, you realize that most of their songs are about nerd stuff anyway. Dio, he sang about dragons and rainbows in the dark, man. I was just curious because, you know, the, the timing and the, the, the structure of the songs are so different. And so when you cover them, do you just do like a straight cover or do you have to rearrange how it's played? You know, yeah. Musically, often we have to dumb it down a little bit, mm -hmm. so to speak. But, um, you know, with, with Eric, our fiddle player, man, he can shred anything. He can play anything. So the guitar solos, <laughs> Switch to fiddle? Him. Yeah. I, I love the sound of that. Yeah. So, a lot of fun. do you guys uh, also do traditional Celtic music besides the nerd stuff? Or is oh, absolutely. 
that's, that's how we that's, started. That's how we started, and that's that was our main focus. And in fact, it's I guess it's not our main focus, but we've yeah, we, we definitely are going to keep the Celtic stuff around because the traditional songs, like Andy said, everybody can relate to them. It's stuff that everybody deals with. And it's stuff that everybody can get into. You know, and those songs are kind of timeless. If you go to our shows, you'll notice that there are people of all ages, um, of every ethnic background, of every musical background, that enjoy what we do. Because it's about, you know, raising a pint, banging your hand on the table, and just kind of forgetting about your woes for an evening and just having fun. That's so cool. I mean, because it's also a style of music, I think, that's tough to break through. Because, um, you know, people are, when they think of Irish music... They think of, you know, like Danny Boy, even though it's not even an Irish song. Yeah, it's an English song. Yeah, we so, get requests for that all the time. We're like, it, sorry, that's an English song. And uh, <laughs> so, so is that song you just refuse to play? Well, we don't refuse to play it. We, <laughs> we just, just haven't we, learned it yet. Yeah, <laughs> we just don't. I mean, several of us know it, but uh, not only is it a really, really sad song and we like to keep our shows fun, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, A, as an English song, B, as a slow song, and C, as just a really sad song. We don't yeah. you know. We've... We've never had a huge interest to play that guy. And I'm curious, too, because do you think you guys are helping educating maybe people who've never listened to Celtic music before through your lyrics and your subject matter? Like, oh, I do like the fiddle. I do like mandolins. Because I think the mandolin's like the most beautiful instrument in the world. It really is. You know, and and I think we do. and, And I think people get to see, you know, how Irish music is the root of bluegrass, how it's the root of country music, how it's the root of so many types of music that people like even you know a lot of modern heavy metal bands are using that heavy uh, folk influence in what they do nowadays you know ha- you know wanting to incorporate that that big melody wanting to incorporate that you know we want to keep everything positive and we want to take four people and you know make this beautiful wave of sound you know and how do you balance to the the structure of what people expect out of Celtic music and to what you guys want to do where people have a certain expectation when they go into how it sounds. You know, I think a lot of it is the energy. Um, all of us, Definitely. or most of us at least, being in former metal bands, um, we, we bring a huge energy. We want to, you know, get people really riled up. We dance around on stage. We're just, we want to be really big. Even though our sound isn't huge, we want to, you know, them to feel like it's huge. And I think that's a big part of it is when, when you feel engaged, whether there's you know, five people or 5,000 people, you come to a Stubby Shillelagh show, it's going to be like I'm pointing right at you and go, you right there, I'm singing to you. And and I think that's that's a big part of, you know, what what really, you know, get, gets us that is, is every single person in the crowd is going to feel like they're being personally engaged by us. And I think that's actually the most important thing an artist can do if they're performing oh, music mm-hmm. is you have to make people think you're right. That song is about me. That song about the poor sap down the street who's in the bar, that's about me. And when you write original songs like that, when do you know you've connected with somebody? Because if you're up there going about, where's the, where's the interaction that you look for from the audience? You know, there are lots of ways. Uh, the response they give you, it can be a look. It can be they start to cheer. They start to clap louder. They order another drink, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I imagine sometimes when you're on stage, is it a blur? Or are you able to notice people while you're doing it? Because you're so used to singing the songs. And you're so used to performing yeah, the be- songs. Being in the moment, we definitely can notice like when people are getting into it. And we can focus on them. And we can definitely get those people really into it. Because once there's one guy going crazy and pounding on the bar singing along, 
everybody else is going to join in too. And then it's just going to be a rowdy, rowdy fun time. So. And do you guys have a set set list, or will you change it based on audience reaction? We don't ever write a set list. Almost, we, we almost never write a set list, I guess. I shouldn't say never. So then how do you know what song you're going to do next? Um, you know, either it's just a whim. One of us is like, hey, let's play this next. Um, a lot of the times when we're on stage, I'll, I'll kind of be like, okay, let's play this next. And most of it has to do with crowd response. We'll play a song. A lot of times uh, we'll play a block of songs like, hey, we're going to play just nerd songs right now. Or just this type of song or just this type of song. And if the response is not what we're looking for, we're going to change it up. Okay, let's do this now. Everybody seems a little, you know, sluggish. Let's do something really fast, really loud, really intense to really, you know, get that energy up. And, you know, so it, 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 there's that ebb and flow that you just have to really pay attention to. And, you know, that's what I try and explain to people that there's, you know, there's a lot more uh, when, when you're a live band to there's the writing the songs, recording the songs, getting the songs sounding good. But there's the performance aspect of it, which is just as important because you can have you know, this great product, but if you don't present it in a good way, nobody's going to care anyway. And so uh, now I'm going to follow up with the most obvious question. How do you capture your live performance in a studio album? You know, it, that that's actually a really difficult thing, and I, I think a lot of how we do it is by a lot of times when we're cutting tracks, the rest of us are there, like, encouraging each other and, and listening and we're in visual range of each other so we can, you know, be part of that excitement and just kind of feel that energy because that's very important to us. Because, I mean, as an instrument player, how do you get the energy to play when you're not playing to anybody uh, it, and, and it translate it? It is pretty it? difficult, actually. Yeah. And I personally think that recording in a studio is the most nerve-wracking and difficult thing to do simply because that microphone will hear everything. And, like you said, there's no audience to get you pumped up. And... It, it's just a much different experience, and which is why I think our live albums that we've recorded have been such a, a special thing for me because that it's it's a live show and it's all the energy, all the all the crowd's antics and everything included in there. Do you like the mistakes you make live though when you listen to the album? Let's say you like pluck something wrong or you hit a note the wrong way. Is it something you like, or do you try to wash those out of your albums? I don't know if we would call it something we like, but especially our last live album that we recorded uh, last January, Ishkabaha, The Water of Live. The whole point of it, our first live album, uh, Parental Advisory Live, we recorded over several nights and we got to pick and choose which songs we liked, which ones you know we messed up the least. But with this one, we were like, you know, we want people to know exactly what a Stubby Shillelagh show sounds like. And sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we get too drunk. Sometimes goofy shit happens, and, and you just have to roll with it. And and you know, that's why you know to date that's the, the album I'm most proud of because you listen to that album and you're going to hear times when we mess up. Man, there are a couple times in there where we're trying to hit a uh, uh, a harmony and we don't just kill the harmony. We like raped its course. Like it was <laughs> awful. But, but that's the essence of what a live show is, is sometimes you mess up and you just roll with it and you just have fun. And see, that's my biggest problem with like a Kiss Alive album, is it's so polished for a live album. Well, <laughs> Kiss Alive, that's not a live album. They, 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 they got live crowd noise and then recorded all the songs in that's, the studio. That, that's what I mean. Because, like, you know, a thing I love about live albums is the rawness. Exactly. You know, and I don't... I'd much rather, because one of my favorite live albums ever is Sam Cooke, Live at the Harlem Square. Nice. And he missed keys a bunch in it. But it doesn't take away from the performance because you're like, wow, he's still into it. 
and it makes it that much more authentic. Exactly, and I love the authenticity of that stuff, so. Exactly, and because, you know, like we were touching on earlier, the performance is just as important as the music itself and how you present it out there. Yeah. And, you know, and you can tell that with a lot of popular music nowadays, the music is terrible, but oh, the way they man. present it is so polished and clean and wrapped up and tied in a little bow that everybody just eats it up. So. Well, yeah, because now it's all about, you know, the, the single. It's not about the concept of the album anymore. It's how many yeah. of these singles can I sell on iTunes? So does your album have an overarching theme besides being a nerd, or is there a nice way to go, or is it just... The, the nerd album will probably be our first concept, like, mm -hmm. one concept album. Everything else has kind of just been... What's not, cool. not like thrown together. <laughs> yeah, we but. just like, hey, this song's done, this song's done, this song's done. And, you know, I, I, in, in the fact that it is all nerdy songs, it is a concept album. But there's not going to be an overarching theme in that, like, all the songs are not going to be, you know, they're not going to fade into each yeah. other and be related to each other. But they're all going to have that same, you know, overarching, you know, idea that this, this is for nerds. If you like Firefly, if you like Star Wars, if you like Star Trek, comic books... Doctor Who, Doctor Who, yeah, or uh, video games, any of that, that you know. We're actually even going to make a Magic the Gathering song. So, <laughs> Sweet. You know. uh, and when I tell people I don't like Doctor Who, I get like weird looks, and it's like it's just too weird for me. It's you know, it's not my thing. It is. Either, I mean, I, I know people love it. I just I try to watch some episodes. And no way. Uh, I know what a TARDIS is, and I think I'm good. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So where can we chip in and help you guys? online and I guess Kickstarter yeah so just you know you can either go to our Facebook um, the Stubby Shillelaghs I know that's hard to spell it's S-H-I-L-L-E-L-A-G-H-S <laughs> quite a mouthful uh, go to Facebook and check that out it's pinned to the top or you can just go to Kickstarter Stubby Shillelaghs and you'll find our nerd album and um, like I said we already hit our goal but we've got plenty of stretch goals and we're going to keep it going and we're going to just put out more content for you guys the more you want or the more we're going to make and when, when are you guys planning on dropping the album then? Uh, we're planning on tentatively hitting the studio in late August. So probably October. Most of our releases come out in October around the time of our anniversary. Mm -hmm. So Very cool. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Real Nerds interview at Denver Comic-Con 2015, and we'll see you next year. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.